Hello, and welcome back to True Crime Guys Podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and I actually don't have Andy with me right now, but that's okay. You're going to hear him in a few minutes. So basically what's happened is me and Andy's schedule didn't line up this week, so we decided to take an impromptu week off, but we are treating you guys on the free platform with one of our delicious Patreon exclusives. Uh, A pretty devastating one at that, so fair warning, uh, there is uh, child abuse and dismemberment in this episode. But this episode was originally released September 27th of 2023, so not that long ago, but this is a crazy story of a young man with serious mental illness um, who turned on his entire family. And then there is another bonus story at the end of a four-year-old little girl who was found in a dumpster near her home, uh, Sequoia Samuels. Well, all right, guys, without further ado, let's... uh, roll the show. I hope you guys enjoy it. And if you do, there's a lot more where this came from. Patreon.com slash True Crime Guys. All right. See you guys. Welcome back to True Crime Guys Podcast, where I just did the wrong intro because it's a Patreon exclusive. I know. You know what? We're still True Crime Guys. We are still True Crime Guys. <laughs> and welcome to the party, Creepers. Welcome to the party, our number 73rd party on Patreon here. Hey, man. New, dynam- new dynamic, new tradition sometimes. That's right. That's it's our first time back from a break. We're still getting back into the swing of things, guys. We, we know it was a party today. It's a party today, man. <laughs> it's a work day for us. The patrons are here. The patrons are here. Guys, we are here for you. Um... And I got a doozy of a case for you. Got two cases, actually. Two cases. Um, but as is one way to put it. Yeah, that's that, a, <laughs> is that one way to put it? That's Andy? such a great. Are, are you are great you excited about today? <laughs> such a great adjective for like the things we cover. That's this a doozy. Is, it's, a, <laughs> it's a doozy. That's what a jaded true crime ho- podcast host says. You know, it's like <laughs> that was a doozy. It's a, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like uh, child abuse, dismemberment. It was a doozy. Oh, so much blood. Gosh. Uh, but hopefully the video will be up at the same time as the audio. If not, guys, hang in there. It will be up shortly after. We'll be covering not one, but two. This is a fair warning, okay? All joking aside, okay? We you know, we try to add our levity, but seriously, at this point, we are covering two cases today involving dismemberment and extreme brutality, and there are children involved um, on both sides, all around. There yep. are children involved. Here's so gold star right here. That's so, right. Warning, warning. Fair warning. <laughs> fair warning. Also, Andy has a brace on his finger now and he's he's healing up. Got my got so, my so. nice chicken town injury. That's right. <laughs> Michael's gonna write me the ballad of Chicken Town. <laughs> the ba- oh yeah, I gotta write that song. The yeah, ballad podcasters of throwing axes down at Chicken Town. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. So the first case we're gonna be talking about today is about a young boy, guys, named Eldon Samuel. And if you have not seen anything about this, I wouldn't be shocked, honestly, because there's not a lot. But there is one video out there right now of his interrogation. It is downright shocking. What is it, Andy, an hour and a half? It's about a 90-minute interview, and it's mostly interrogation footage. It's not a lot of filler. It's not a lot of... There's not. There's no talking head footage. No, there's no, no, no guys going back after the case. It's tense. It's one of those interrogation videos where you just you just get sucked into it because it is interesting. You to see the way that he reacts, the way that he you know backpedals and lies and goes back on things. So it's it's very interesting video. Um, but on the evening of March 24, 2014, police responded to a call about a shooting at a residence in Cordialine. Uh, Idaho? You think I said that right? Coeur d'Alene. I think that's it. It sounds very New Orleans. It, or it, it sounds does. very Louisiana. It like does Cajun sound town. very, yeah. Coeur d'Alene. Louisiana. That but it's Coeur-Aline not. It's, uh, it's in Idaho. Um, but little did they know, they were walking into the home of a family so obsessed with zombies that they were actually preparing for the zombie apocalypse. Okay? And what police found inside the house was more horrific and bizarre than anyone could have ever mad- imagined. And people imagined some pretty crazy shit because remember these people were paranoid zombie hunters and they made that known even even in a short time that they were in the neighborhood. So so brace yourself. Brace yourself guys. That's that's your last warning. So. I blame AMC's The Walking Dead for this. Let's roll Me the intro. Me too. <laughs>
violence calls such silence Who are we mistaken? But you see, it's not me, it's not my family In your head, in your head, they are fighting tanks and their bombs and their bombs and their guns in your head in your head they are crying in your head in your head zombie 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 what's in your head in your head Violence causes silence. We must be mistaken. It's the same old theme since 1916. In your head, in your head, they're still fighting with their tanks and their bombs and their bombs and their guns. guys so we're gonna start with eldon samuels uh eldon samuels the third to be exact so when police arrived at the house they discovered that the 911 call had been placed by 14 year old eldon samuel they found him waiting outside and he was covered in blood now how he came to be covered in blood they weren't quite sure so for everyone's safety deputies needed to secure the house and verify if anyone else was inside the home um, as they approached the front door, it became pretty clear that they were entering a murder scene. With one officer being heard on body cam saying, quote, I've got blood and footprints on the ground in here. So inside the house, they found the bodies of two males, one adult and one juvenile. And it became apparent that whatever happened was much more complicated than just a shooting. A large variety of weapons were found all around the house and blood all through the hallway the living room, the bathroom, and the bedrooms. It really does. When they're watching, that footage looks like it's a haunting. Room. It's like a horror movie. It looks like they're walking through a scene from The Devil's Rejects or something. You're just seeing weapons and blood yes. and tra it's yeah. it's haunting. Some of the body cam footage that they show there too. Remember this family? They they really were somewhat afraid of zombies. They I were think. doomsday they were, preppers, definitely. That's, yeah, yeah, they were zombie doomsday preppers. Um, the most, but one of the most disturbing parts was it appeared that the deceased juvenile was attacked with a large machete and was found on the kitchen floor. Uh, well, the machete was found on the kitchen floor, not the juvenile. And the adult male had been shot multiple times in the head, three to be exact, as well as once in the stomach. Okay, so remember that. That's more than a hitman right there. That's more, that's, than, the, that's more than the 
to be sure. You know, when that's, you have the yes, that's the more than a double tap. tap. Yeah, that's more I know what a, you're getting at. I know what you're getting at. That's more than a double tap, right that's, there. That's more than a double tap. Uh, even Michael Sarah might say that that's a double, that's an overkill. Mm-hmm. Um, as deputies prepare to take Eldon for questioning, because he's the only survivor, the crime scene has piqued the interest of passerby and neighbors who are eager to help the police. Um, and by gathering information from these neighbors, it appeared the house was being rented by Eldon Samuel Jr., uh, who we will refer to in this podcast as Junior. But that's Eldon's dad. That could get a little bit confusing, but yeah. uh, there's no other way, other way to do it. And his two sons, the eldest, the survivor, 14-year-old Eldon III, and his younger brother, 13-year-old Jonathan, who was autistic and therefore required a bit of extra care. And this becomes important later as well. When we, and when we do say autistic, we, we mean almost not like he's, he's not severely autistic. He's not nonverbal. He, he right. can communicate. He right. can interact, but he is, he is pretty far on the spectrum. So it's not mm-hmm. like a, it's not like a lighter case. He, he is, he has special needs and that comes to play very far, like a lot in this story. Yeah. He does require extra care. He does. He does. Um, And the home that they were living in was actually an emergency shelter for families and had just been recently reopened. The family themselves had only been there for around six months. Okay, they had recently moved away from their home in Modesto, California, where the boy's mother, Tina Samuel, still lived. So meanwhile, Eldon is taken in and questioned. His blood-covered clothes are collected for evidence. And an officer he knows from school was brought in to help with the questioning to make Eldon a little more comfortable. So there's footage of the interrogation on YouTube as we as we spoke about earlier, and it is a must-see for this case. If you guys have not seen this, when you get done with this episode, you need to go watch the interrogation. Um, it's just one of those. It's just so creepy. It's it'll make it'll give you goosebumps. But honestly, it's amazing insight into what this child did and why. It it really is. Yeah, we we talked about it a little bit off camera, and it's it's a very detailed interview. You have a lot of you have a guy kind of giving a, a good psychoanalysis of what's happening, and he's mm-hmm. kind of telling you like, oh, this might be a sign of this, and this right. might be what he's trying to cover up. So you get a lot of insight into mm-hmm. the kind of the psycholo- like the psychology of the interview but there is no fat on that interview it's it's you're almost yeah. watching the whole thing in real time yeah there's you, not you a are. lot of back and forth there's not bathroom breaks there's no like oh yeah we'll we'll resume this later like there there's I mean like, they do take a little break but the camera stays on Eldon yeah, it's not and a, it's still it's interesting not a long break it's yeah. not a we'll be back in a little while to let you just sit on this it's right, like we're going right, to talk right. real quick and you just is there anything else you want to tell us we'll be right back exactly exactly and just the way Eldon, he goes from one lie to the next. He's he's going back on things that he said. He's sitting there. He's fidgeting in his chair. Um, and I have to give it to the officers. They they were amazing at the interrogation. They really were. The way that they made him feel so comfortable at the beginning and the way they got him to open up throughout the process, mm-hmm. they, they, they did patient. a damn good job. Very, I don't think that I, the one I don't officer, know if they were all by the book, though. Not, right? not, they were not a little entirely. bit edgy. They didn't touch him. They didn't touch him. But they were a little bit edgy. They were a little pushy with some things. They're yeah. a little not too much leading, but they they know the truth at this point. It's it's more or less like they're not trying to trip him up and like, well, let's just see if we can get a confession. It's more right. or less like we know what happened. We just need you to tell us. So that all the questioning is, it does get a little aggressive sometimes. They want him to act out things. They want him to show them what happened, and you can tell it makes it. They just make him more and more uncomfortable as the interview right. goes on. It starts very comfortable. Like a, I couldn't tell if that was a resource officer from his school. It was. It was. It was a resource officer that he actually remembered from school. He actually knew him. Apparently, they had some type mm-hmm. of conversation when he was at the school, and he let him use the handcuffs. Something about handcuffs. Maybe he gave him a set of like a, of like fake handcuffs or, or something like that. They had some quick conversation about handcuffs at the very beginning, and I can't remember what it was. Because the officer also knew his brother. He had met both of the boys yes, yeah, in yeah, yeah, the yeah. term of school or using resource officer stuff. He had met both of the boys at this point. Yeah. So they're trying to figure out what happened, right? So Eldon starts by telling the police that his father, Junior, had been outside shooting at zombies. And when he approached his father and told him to go in, and then he approached his father and told him to go inside, at which time Eldon claims that Junior got mad and pushed him. But he has trouble, and even in the interview right, right then, he has trouble recalling where he was pushed. So the doctors, so the officers, doctor, so the officers like, you know, did, did, he, did he push you in the chest? Did he push you on the arm? And, and just the way that he, ta- the way he's like, I was, it was kind of like here. Well, he says it. He says he here. first he pushed and then he he, he hit me. He's, and they're like, "Where did he hit you?" And he's like, yeah. "In my, 
my left my side. Left, my left side. My, but he just it's, he's just like all over, and they're like, if yeah. he hit you, that would be a bruise. Like with the force you're saying, like, is there a bruise? Like he, the officer even says, do you want to show me? Is is there a bruise? You can show me. Yeah. Like if he if he hits you, if there's a mark, show me. Right. And he doesn't. He just he's no. like, he just keeps doing this, and then just tries to say like. He, and then, like, he just kind of just tries right. to push it off. Exactly. Like, he's just like, are you buying this yet? It's it's here. Just trust me. It's Tommy like, Boy. This it's is... the, not so much here, not so much here, uh, but, like, but like right, right here, here. <laughs> like, right right in here. <laughs> it's definitely, definitely the Tommy right. Boy thing. I'm yeah. It's not here. He's very unsure. But then he claims the struggle led them inside, and there he picked up another one of his dad's guns, because, right, because his dad allegedly had a gun in his hand, um, which... None of the neighbors corroborated, by the way. They said that his dad was standing outside, and they all they claimed that the father, Junior, was strange. That's all mm-hmm. they said. They said, you know, you wave at the guy. He doesn't wave back. Um, he always looked irritated. He was a chain smoker. But never did they say he was firing some gun in the front yard. They only said there was a disturbance in the front yard. They didn't recall right. any gunshots being heard before... Right. The ones right before the nine one one call. Exactly. He's they, the neighbors do cooperate and say. I mean, they were outside in the yard and they were arguing, but yeah, he was out there just acting weird. Right, right. But Eldon claimed that the struggle led them inside, where he picked up another one of his dad's guns in self defense. Obviously, a forty five, I believe he said it was, mm-hmm. and shot his father in the stomach in an attempt to stop his dad from beating him. So or now just he's from killing him. he's changing his terminology, saying that his dad was beating him. This mm-hmm. this kid has no marks on him, nothing, no evidence of yeah, he, physical abuse whatsoever. He kept saying right? he was going to kill me. I mean, he was going to kill. He me. He was going to kill me. He was well. Yeah, I shot him in the stomach because because he was going to kill me. Right. And like, how was he going to kill you? Well, he said he was going to kill me, but did he do anything? He said he was gonna. He just keeps yeah, repeating yeah. himself. He will repeat the question and repeat the same. You answer. can tell he didn't think it through. He just thought that you know they were just gonna take his word for it, and that'd be it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he then claimed that his father Junior started crawling towards his younger brother Jonathan's room. Jonathan was apparently hiding under the bed in his room, terrified of the whole situation. Naturally, I mean, my God, like I can't imagine what was going through this kid's head. I mean, he's only he's he's thirteen, right? So he's not a child. Now, he is autistic, but, I mean, he's not a small child. Like, he understands what's happening here. He's he's very – he's grown up in this environment to where he's not sure of what is going on. So, yes, right, he right. does perceive things differently, but this is – he – like I think they said something about Jonathan. He was he was a, a type who loved – he liked small spaces. When he got overwhelmed or when he got overstimulated, yeah. he liked to hide. He liked to go into a tight spot. I think that's or, pretty common. Yeah, he liked to go into a closet for, or a, yeah. under the bed. So that's where he immediately went as soon as drama starts. Yep. So he claimed that Junior was crawling towards Jonathan. Um, so Eldon goes into Jonathan's room and starts to try and coax Jonathan out from under the bed. Um, so he picks up the mattress and tries to grab Jonathan out from under the bed. But at this point, when asked how Jonathan reacted, Eldon suddenly can't remember anything. And once the detectives make him feel a little more comfortable, he suddenly recalls that Junior was crawling towards Jonathan with a loaded shotgun. So that's why he's trying to get Jonathan at this point. He claims that he's trying to save his younger brother from his dad's wrath because his dad has a shotgun. And he says that Junior's crawling towards Jonathan with this loaded shotgun, right? He's been shot in the stomach, but he's still crawling to to kill his 13-year-old son, allegedly here. Mm -hmm. Um, And that Junior shot Jonathan twice, with the shotgun. That's what Eldon said at this time. And one Which thing I he wanted somehow, to... Which he somehow... This is the craziest part, though. He somehow did not see this happen. Mm-mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't he, know. He can't I put mean... anybody... Where, well, was your dad by the door? Uh, well, I wasn't there. He says he claimed he didn't see it happen. He claimed that Jonathan was shot in the leg, and he only knows this because he heard him yell, ow, my leg, from outside. Eldon apparently ran outside because he didn't want to hear any more of the screams, and so he could get some fresh air. Yeah, and one thing I was thinking about too, he he's he's also at this point in the interview, he has stated multiple times that my dad was he was on this medication and when he takes yeah. his medication, he acts crazy and he was he took this pills and he was on his medication. And I think they they do talk a lot about his dad's drug use and his different medications that he was on. I think he was saying take he was taking Ambien or something um, like that. I think that most of it was pain medication. Yeah, honestly. he was on some opioids, some he, muscle his relaxants, dad- but yeah, yeah his I think dad was, he was taking sleeping medication. That's what made him 
crazy when he would take it once a month or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, he kept saying repeatedly throughout the beginning of the interview, well, he took his medication and he was acting crazy. And that's why he was outside with the zom- shooting zombies. And it's the it's the medication. It makes him angry and violent. And he just kept saying that at the beginning of it. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, his dad was a career mechanic. Um, and he had some pretty bad, I guess, injuries throughout his years that has caused him chronic pain, probably stooping under cars and things like that, right? So he was on these pain medications for years, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jonathan, I mean, uh, so Eldon, according to him, goes outside, gets some fresh air. Once everything calms down, he calls the police. That's his story, right? Once the noise uh, is Okay, stopped. so at this point, officers or anyone who's listening and paying attention knows that something is up, right? The story doesn't make any sense. Where does the machete play in that was found on the in the kitchen covered in blood? Why are there multiple gunshot wounds in Junior's head, mm-hmm. etc.? Right? Why are you like, covered in blood? Why are you covered <laughs> in you blood? Covered in blood when we found exactly, you. exactly. So the the officers are like, okay, hold on, we got to take a break because obviously this kid's not going to be forthcoming about this. We got to regroup. So during this time, Eldon, I guess he thinks like they're being more lax on him because they're not pressing him and they're actually believing this shit. So he asked the detectives uh, when he's going to be able to go back to his house and get some of the stuff he needs and what kind of stuff. They ask him, and he says, you know, like my Xbox and GTA Five. <laughs> yeah, because he, he does. He kind of stops. And then that's where the blame of video games comes in. They just immediately, like, they, yeah. his questioning switches so quickly when they're, they, they tell him, like, we're going to take a break for a second. And he just he stops talking about yeah. everything, and he's just like, so where am I going to live now? Uh, do I get to go get my stuff, like my Xbox? And it, it almost made you. You think know what of he like wanted. The, it made you think of like it, the Brandon Dassey on how to, to or how to catch a murderer or can, catching a murderer or whatever it was. Right, right, right. Because you almost think it's like, do you not understand what's he, happening? Do you as because mm-hmm. the cops have to question? They're like, do you not understand what's happened? Like, do you not? Because they have to pause and be like, right, you know, you're not getting your Xbox right now. Do you? Is no. that a real question or are you? You really don't understand. Um, but he also asks about his mom at this time. So that could be a little more insight into his frame of mind. Maybe he's thinking like, I'm going to go get my stuff and go live with mom now because that's mm-hmm. what he wanted in the first place. He, he want, he just had this. That was uh, his had, end goal. Was yes. To get back to, to live with his mom. Yeah. And while he's talking about his mom, Eldon actually shows his first signs of emotion at all about this thing. And that's when he starts to talk about her. He began to cry for the first time that night when he started to tell police how his father had been abusive to his mother before the two separated. But the couple's past relationship was shrouded in violence and abuse both ways from what it sounds like. Although, according to who you ask, you'll get different answers as to who was the aggressor in the relationship. You know, if you, know, if you ask the in-laws, they're going to say that you know their in-law was the aggressor and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, so who knows about that? They were a toxic couple from what it sounds like. And you do see Junior's but, father get, ask questions about his ex-wife. And he's yeah, like, yeah. well, I think she was the aggressor. And I, right, you know, right. I know my son's got problems, but... I think she was the one. And- yeah, the grandfather of Eldon states that the mother was the aggressor, but again, <laughs> against his son, right? Yeah. So, you know, you take it for what, you take it with a grain of salt. But we do know Eldon's mom had previously spent time in jail on child cruelty charges, and both his mom and dad had taken out restraining orders on each other. Mm-hmm. And they both struggled with drug addictions, different types, but still, drug addictions. Um, like I said earlier, Junior had worked as a mechanic, so, you know, he was on the pain meds and a pediatrician did confirm that the children had suffered from neglect, uh, specifically Eldon, who was often malnourished. Uh, he had poor dental hygiene and was very, uh, very quite frequently absent from school. So when they did say about his mother having like a a child cruelty charge too, that was one thing they, they weren't able to say like, we don't, we don't know if it's on Eldon or Jonathan, but she like willingly accepted a child cruelty charge, Mm -hmm. which included like some, you know, probation time or something. But yeah, she like, she just willingly, she was like, yeah. So it's like, he's had like a tumultuous relationship with both parents. He has, he has. And you know, you know how it is. It's kind of like the human condition. You kind of get used to what you have and you miss what you had. And I think that was kind of um, that was kind of built upon in this in this constant turmoil that Eldon was getting into with his father. Even though you know, if he'd lived with his mother the whole time, he'd probably been fighting with her too. You know, it's kind of just that rebellious stage. Plus, you know, he's learning from them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, 
Um, so anyways, so back to the story. The detectives go over it over and over again, trying to convince Eldon to just come clean about what really happened. And it's honestly getting difficult for Eldon to keep up with everything that he said, especially after this break, you know, versus what actually happened, not to mention what the detectives are telling, implying, and asking him, because, you know, they have some pretty damn good evidence to go on. But eventually, Eldon drops a bombshell and confesses that it was him and not his dad who attacked Jonathan. Mm, that's a hard part And of the, the shit too. hits the fan right here, because that changes everything, right? He goes on to say that he has hated Jonathan for years and believes he is the reason his dad is on so many medications. Mm-hmm. So he blames his dad. He blames uh, Jonathan for his dad's behavior. He also blamed Jonathan for his parents' separation. Yeah, he said because his brother required so much extra attention, yes. so much extra effort that mm-hmm. it strained them, and then his dad would only focus on his younger brother. And- yeah, and apparently he's felt this way for a long time because he confessed to a previous act of violence towards Jonathan. He says that when he was six, uh, which would make Jonathan five, he stabbed Jonathan in the back with a kitchen knife. Now, he was never caught for this act, or at least nobody backed this up. His mother didn't say anything, didn't confirm this. Whether or not this happened, it's really not clear. But it was becoming evident, though, that Eldon harbored some serious resentment towards his little brother and blamed him for literally everything wrong in his life. So they start asking him why. They want him to come out with it. You know, why did you shoot your brother? And it almost seems like at this point he kind of starts to realize that he's slipping his, you know, his this facade that he thought he was holding up is is falling very yeah, quickly. It's um, kind of when the questions start to get a little, when we talk about getting a little bit more aggressive, it's kind yeah. of at this point where they yes. they, they kind of drop the act. They're like, right. Eldon, you're, if you shot your dad in the stomach with mm-hmm. a forty-five from that close, he's not going to get a shotgun drag himself down the hallway, right. shoot your brother twice, and then you're going to shoot him three times. Like, yep. Eldon, none of this is making... And they kind of just come out right and say it like, so you went back in and you shot your brother, didn't you? Yeah. And he he kind of just is like... Exactly. Yeah. They they call him on his bullshit. and like He just breaks. He's just like, He does. Yeah. He flips. And he confesses to using the machete to strike Jonathan. Just out of the blue, comes out skips all the gun shit, confesses to using a machete to strike Jonathan because he wouldn't come out from under the bed. The cops are caught a little off guard right here um, because, you know, remember, they were asking why he shot Jonathan, not why did you hit him with a machete. So this kind of just opens the floodgates and the truth starts pouring out. Young Jonathan was not just shot with a shotgun, but also multiple times with a forty-five for a total of 10 shots. He was also slashed across his arms, legs, and head with a machete dozens of times. And then Eldon also ended up using a knife on him, which we'll get to later. That was um, the thing. They would, they, they would yeah, never he, he directly, wasn't, they would never directly say, like, how many shot? like, they would never say your brother's been shot this many times, or right. he had the, they're like, what did, they're like, did you shoot your brother? I think that's what, one of the biggest questions that was so bombshell. They're like, so did you shoot your brother? And his response was, with what? Like, that's his first... They're like, well, we asked you if you shot your brother. Yes or no. (laughs) And his response was, which gun? He he says it again is, well, with with which gun? Like, he's clearly like, what do you know? What, which ones, which bullets did you find? Like, you can see the moment where he's just like, which gun? Like, it's just a sad moment across his face, but... And, but he, he wasn't, he wasn't done explaining either. He apparently felt the need after he had slashed his brother... Uh, with the machete on all of his limbs and his head, he felt that he needed to stab him multiple times. I'm guessing in the head as well. I think this is kind of where that zombie defense comes in because the defense tried to say later that, well, the the head injuries were because he was afraid that they would come back as zombies. They, that was more of a mercy thing. It's just, it's, it's call it what it is, it's a gross overkill. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, it was proof that Eldon absolutely hated Jonathan. That's That's all this is. And poor Jonathan bled to death from his injuries and died sprawled across his father's lap. Um, Eldon even said that John was crawling towards his dad as he continued to attack him. That's part of the reason, I think, why he was continuing to hit him. 
because his, because Jonathan was going to his dad. Yes. And he was mad at both of them. That's one yes. of the hard, that's a really dark part of the interview. When they, when the cops start making him, they're like, we said they make him act things out. Yeah. This is when they start doing that. that they start scene. saying like, mm. no, show us how you hit him with the machete. Stand up, show us how you did it. Face exactly. the wall. And at first he's like, chop, chop. And they're like, is that how you, is that how hard you hit him? Because it doesn't seem like that. And then he kind of pauses and then you see him just like two hand base, just axe, just start mm. chopping. And it's, it's, you can see the cops even kind of like being like, that's not what we were hoping for, but you're really showing us what you did. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's brutal. And he says he continued to hit Jonathan until he was quiet and completely stopped moving. At which time then he walked outside and called the police. So he left a little bit out in the first run through, a little bit. It's a rough um, draft. It, it was it, a rough draft. It was a, it was a summary. Um, <laughs> it's the cliff notes. <laughs> the officers at that time uh, obviously are blown away. So they try to gauge Eldon's state of mind by asking how he felt about what he had done and what he and why he had done it. And of course, he claims that he had no remorse. Um, he says they were bad people and he was only defending himself. Um, but again, the questions are posed over and over regarding Eldon's frame of mind and remorse until Eldon finally begins to get upset when he talks about shooting his dad. He finally says he feels bad, that he had to shoot his dad, mm -hmm. not Jonathan. And I feel like at this point, it's like it almost doesn't mean anything. You've already said that you have no remorse over and over and over again. You've said that you're glad they're dead. And then it's almost like, God, I guess you want me to say I have remorse. I have remorse. Yeah, I feel that's, bad. That's, that's what it seemed like. Mm -hmm. I mean, Because they, the, the questions they lead him with of what you felt and why you would do this. And yeah. Like, you know, if, well, if, if your dad was abusing you, would, like if he was attacking you, how regularly was he? Did you decide you were going to do this months exactly. ago? Did you decide? And he just keeps saying, like, just tonight, because he's trying so hard mm -mm. to, like, build this self-defense case. He, yes. he even straight up says, he's like, that's self-defense, right? Like, he says it in, like, almost like, a, that. that's what I'm hoping for. It's a, it's yeah. a self-defense, right? That's right, right. Uh, my, my dad killed my brother, and he was going to kill me, so I had to kill him. And, like, he, he jumps on a, like, that's self-defense, right? Right. And they're like... We'll talk about that later. Like it's exactly that's when the cops start saying like, so he pushed you, and you shot him. That's like yeah. The questions start yep. getting more and more like really. Exactly. So. so guys, brace yourselves. Let's get into what actually happened. Um. So the altercation in the front yard does seem to track. That does seem. I don't know why, but Junior was out in the front yard, and I guess Eldon didn't like that. I don't know, maybe he was causing some type of disturbance in the neighborhood, and Eldon was trying to talk him down, and then he got frustrated, but I don't know. Either way, they took the altercation inside. Eldon did shoot his dad in the stomach, and J.R. Junior was crawling uh, to his son Jonathan's room, but not to shoot him with a shotgun, but to protect him. Yeah. From Eldon, um, which while he's crawling to Jonathan's room, Eldon then shoots his father three more times in the head once he comes through Jonathan's room into the threshold there. He kind of like, yeah, he crawls into Jonathan's room. He tries to like prop himself up to almost like prepare yes. for Eldon to come in the room. And as soon as he like gets up against like the dresser, Eldon just comes in and shoots him shoots twice him. in the face, I believe. Yeah, or, three yeah. times. Three times. And then he turned his attention to Jonathan. And this is when he's trying, he is trying to coax Jonathan under the bed. See, there, there are little nuggets of truth here. But the reasoning is what he lied about initially. He's trying to coax him out from under the bed. Eventually, Eldon gets so enraged that he grabs the shotgun and fires two shots at Jonathan while he's under the bed. Then grabs a forty-five and shoots him another eight times. And that is where the ten shots come um, that's where the 10 shots come from that they found on Jonathan. Wasn't it but a double barrel shotgun or something? That's why I, was like, I, I think it was like shot. a pump. Okay, it just had like, two left. He's like, it was only, no, it, it's two shots. So. It, from the one they showed in the video and in the interrogation looked like a combat pump okay. shotgun. Like, yeah, it might've just had two shells in it. Yeah. I just remember him saying, well, um, it only had two shots. So I was like, was it like a double barrel boomstick or yeah. something? But. So yeah, instead of reloading, you just decided to switch weapons. Cause he had the 45 steel that he'd shot his dad, mm -hmm. right? It probably had, could have had a 15 round clip for all we know. And, you know, so, but somehow Jonathan gets shot 10 times and somehow still miraculously starts to crawl towards his father. And this is when Eldon proceeds 
to finish his little brother off with a machete, hacking at his arms and legs until he can't move. And then once he stops moving, starts stabbing him multiple times in the head, I think three or four times in the head as well. And like I said earlier, this is where the defense tried to use like, oh, well, he was trained to fight zombies. Okay, well, this is a 13-year-old kid. This is not a zombie. Yeah, because they're they're Um, trying to see how he was hitting him because they keep telling him like, well, how did you shoot him? Show us how did you bend down? Did you you not look? Did you just just shoot? Because they have like the bed and he's flipped the mattress basically off the bed. So it's just like open like slats. Yeah. And that's what he's swinging through. He's... He can see him. He's trying to get yeah. him out, but he's he's kind of saying like, "Well, my brother's always afraid of me. He's always afraid yeah, of me." You're like, I bet you're you're just shot his. Jesus you just shot Christ. your father in front of him. He's terrified. Yes, yes. And uh, Eldon would be brought in. He'd be brought to court, and he was tried for the murder of both his father and his brother. Uh, gosh, murder is just an understatement for this. This is one of the most gross overkillings I think we've ever covered on the show. Honestly, especially by a child. On a, on a, a sibling to another child. On another sibling. It's just, god damn, it's dark. The judge dropped Junior's murder from first to second degree um, because he couldn't prove that there wasn't a conflict between Junior and Eldon at that time. But for the death of Jonathan, Eldon would face first degree murder charges. And he would be tried as an adult and yeah. was found guilty of all charges. I think when he was finally tried, he was 16 mm-hmm. and tried as an adult. Which um, is kind of crazy to to think in the legal system of that. It's like, well, you committed the crimes as a fourteen year old, right? But you didn't go to trial until you were sixteen, and yeah. then they charged. Then they tried you as an adult. He pleaded mean- uh, when he was sixteen. Pleaded with them, talking about how he was a different person now, and what he did was awful. And but I mean, God, dude, it's sorry. There's no there's no excuse for that. That's just there's no excuse for that. You can't excuse it. You have to be separated from society forever. Yeah, that, if you have the capability to take it to that extent, I think. I love when they ask him too. They're like, "What do you think should happen to you? What like, what do you think should happen to someone who just did this, Eldon?" And at first, he's just, like, he doesn't want to. He doesn't say anything because he's already mm-hmm. he's already first said like, "I just want to go. I just want to go back to California. I just I just right. Go, I, I just, just want to go, go live with my, with my mom. mom." Yeah. He's like, "Can I is, can I go live with her?" And nah, then when bro. they ask him, they're like, "What do you think should happen?" And he that's that's when he like kind of switches again and he he drops his head and he's. He says like die. They sh- they should die because they're mm-hmm. bad. They're a bad person. And they're like, okay, so you think you should die? Like they they switch immediately yep. from like you thought nothing should happen to you to now like immediately you should get the death penalty. It's a weird transition to show that he does not really grasp all the gravity of what happened. I think he realized he was given the wrong answer, Andy. <laughs> yeah, that might be a thing too. He's I think he realized uh, not home. No, not home. Mm. I shouldn't. Uh, dead. Get, should I be killed? Yeah, I shouldn't I should get be extra dessert. He's just almost like that. He's just like, at this point, just, he still seems just socially not there, psychologically not there. He's just still telling them whatever he's got to tell them in hopes of getting out of there. Like that cop did a great job making him think that he was his friend because Eldon truly believed that he was going to get out of there. I really do think so. Even when Eldon starts like defending himself of like why he felt these ways about his brother or why these like, why he had so much rage, even when he's like defending himself, the cop can't justify the cop can't even make sense of it he's like yeah so your dad he's like well my dad would go to the store and he would buy him a candy bar and i told oh my him god not, this was I so told weird him not to <laughs> eat it and they're like and he but he ate it and they're like well why did you tell him not to eat the candy bar he's like well because i wanted to eat it right and he's like well did your dad buy you a candy bar too he's like, yeah he's like well if you had a candy bar and you wanted your brother and you did you wanted your brothers too you see he's like wouldn't that be fair this, he's like it'd be, like, it'd be this, good for me he's like what do you yeah. mean he's like well he shouldn't have it i should have it He's a bad person. I should get. I should get his. It would make mm. me happy. And the cop, it's you see yeah, these he cops just could just not, being like, "Dude, you're not helping. You're not doing anything good right now." He could not comprehend. I don't think he could really accept his brother's condition. And he he was probably one of them siblings was like, they give you the benefit of the doubt all the time, right? Because you're fine. You're fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're faking it. You're doing this because you know people with autism. A lot of people don't show signs. You can't tell. Everyone physically, presents everyone presents it. differently. That's right. There's different levels of the spectrum. I'm not going to pretend like I know what I'm talking about, but I have seen quite a few people with autism, and uh, most of them you can't tell unless they tell you, mm-hmm. or unless you just see you witness something strange. But, but anyways, 
This case, it proceeded to a very lengthy jury trial, and the defense theory was that Eldon killed his father in self-defense, like I said, and that he killed his brother in a rage, committing manslaughter, not murder. Um, Eldon's mother, Tina Samuels, said in court that Junior had trained and prepared Eldon for a zombie apocalypse and blamed his behavior on the way that he was brought up. Samuel's public defender asked her to explain exactly what her husband trained her son to do to zombies, and she, she said, quote, to shoot them in the head and chop off their head. That's the only way to kill a zombie, end quote. Um, it's so weird. They even a- they ask Eldon at one point because of the zombie stuff. They're like, mm-hmm. do you think your dad really believed the zombies were coming? And he's like, I think so. And he's like, do you mm. really believe that the zombie apocalypse is coming? And he kind of says like, yeah, it's probably probably coming it's probably coming they're like what do you what do you mean he's like well all the stuff coming out of ukraine and it's it's probably going to happen and it's it's yeah you could tell he'd been fed some he had listened to his dad he had listened to some some rants and he was he was on some fringe topics right right yeah they they ask him directly do you believe the zombie apocalypse is coming and he's like probably (laughs) (laughs) it's crazy but regardless of the ridiculous defense, the jury found Samuel guilty of second-degree murder for killing his father and first-degree murder for killing his brother. The district court sentenced Samuel to a unified term of 15 years with 10 years fixed for second-degree murder of his brother and a concurrent life term with 20 years fixed uh, for first-degree murder. I'm sorry, that was of his brother. The first one was his father. The second-degree murder was his father. So he got 10 fixed years for his father, 20 years fixed for his brother. So he's doing at least 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and Eldon Gale Samuel III is currently serving his time at the Idaho Correctional Institute, and he'll be eligible for parole in 2038. Um, something else interesting about the case is that he was immediately put into an adult prison. Um, they deemed him too dangerous to be put in with juveniles, and the local juvenile detentions would not have him. He's like, no way we're having this kid in there. And so he had to be locked up with adults, but he was separated until the age of 21. Yeah, they they realized when they, that's one of the reasons the first and second degree thing, because they couldn't decide if his father was really planned because they're mm-hmm. like, okay, you say he pushed you and he had a gun and you may have felt, but you still mur- you still overkilled him. Right, there right. Was, there's no defense for his brother. They're like, how did... Why did you kill your brother? And you did it right. so gratuitously. It was not a, you didn't shoot your brother one time like your dad. You mm-hmm. you took out years of rage. So that's why they were like, You're, you, you maybe get second degree on your dad because he does have histories of violence. He does have histories of drug abuse. And, right, right. But yeah, there was there was definitely, they, they coaxed it out of him too during the confession of like, how long have you hated your brother? And he's like, years, maybe, maybe nine years. Maybe five years, like maybe nine, maybe five. They're like, they're like you're, you're fourteen. You've been yeah. hating him for, since you were five years old. They're like you right. could know. Well, and then that's where the story came up about him stabbing him. He's like, yeah, I stabbed him when I was six. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to say, you know, for the least the last eight years, I've hated my brother. So he's yeah. But that's um, just you're digging yourself a more. I was about to say that, that's they're even like, more Ugh. premeditated. <laughs> yeah. Man, you really yeah. planned this at this point. He just, you know, he was saying whatever he had to, like I said. But there is one thing too we didn't even mention. There's a third child in this in this family. Like Junior does have an older son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is not involved in this? So that yeah. when they have to start asking other. That's why they bring him up. Yeah, they're like because <laughs> that's one of the reasons when they go back to his elder brother. The eldest brother is like, I mean, he never beat me. He never pushed me. He mm. never. He didn't like that because that's the only surviving son, and the eldest son is like. Nope, he never threatened me. Nah. He never, never tried to hurt me. Like he was weird. He was cra- He was kind of strange, but yeah. You just had a, a perfect cocktail of bad influences, and you know, just a bad, a, a tough age too. I mean, not not blaming this on being a teenager. Trust me. <laughs> we all had we all had horrific teenage years. <laughs> it, was, it was tough, but none of us did that shit. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, uh, it was a perfect cocktail. It was a little bit of nature and nurture, I think. You know, he he did have two somewhat violent, you know, conflicting troubled parents, parents, troubled parents. Um, you know, he was kind of left to his own devices a lot at home. There were weapons everywhere. He's constantly being fed things about, you know, how the world's going to be taken over. It's going to end. I'm sure his paranoia was through the roof. Um, yep. and he's staying out of school, so there's not a lot of other influences in his life. 
So, and I'm sure the kid didn't have the best time at school. I know at one point in time during the interview, they asked if he was bullied, if he was hit at school. He said yes. He wouldn't go into specifics. Um, I'm sure the kid had a rough go of it, but it does not excuse this. And I, honestly, he's up for parole, what, 2038, I said. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't think he should be out. I, don't, I just don't think. I don't know, man. What do you? Is there I, any redemption for somebody like that? I really don't know because it's like you you want to give like teenagers, and you know, teen, you know that their brains aren't done developing. You know right. that they have so much left to learn. They don't grasp the finality of decisions. No, it seems harsh, but God damn. Yeah, it's man, like but it's, it's like this wasn't. That's the thing. It wasn't a. Uh, spur of the moment, a passion killing. It wasn't a, we got into a big fight one time. No, and we, he planned we killed, it. Like, it was a premeditated overkill and of he, a sibling yeah. at, at a young age. So it's it's hard to ever think. It's like, was was this just your teenage hormones and emotions coming? It's No, no. you thought about this and you wanted it to happen. And like you, you planned wanted it. your brother dead. Yes, yes. You know, it brings to mind Eric Smith. I don't, obviously, this was before you came on the show, Andy. Me and Lauren did this years ago, but Eric Smith was a 13-year-old boy. Oh, I remember him. A little freckled-faced kid. He's mm-hmm. out now. A uh, little red-headed kid. He's out now. He killed a 6-year-old at 13. He killed a 6-year-old. A random 6-year-old went to school with him, pulled him into the bushes, and just stabbed him to death. And... This is so, so much like that. And Eric Smith is out. I mean, and that happened in the U.S. Yeah. So did it, didn't it happen? I think I'm pretty sure it, yeah, did, it did happen in the U.S. Um, and, as well as this one, obviously. But, uh, man, brutal case. Uh, and I guess if if Eric Smith can walk free, but, I mean, this kid did it to his own father and his own brother. And it, it, with the Eric Smith case, they didn't have the overkill. They did not have the, you right. did this and you kept doing it. It was almost like Eric it. Smith was beaten so much and taken advantage of and bullied so much. He was just so sick of being the victim that he wanted to... to he just wanted to take some power. He, he wanted, wanted to, to take the that. power. He wanted to feel like he was yep. the one in charge. He was the bully. He was the powerful one. Yep. But this kid, like they kept saying, like this is overkill. You you didn't just kill your brother. Gross overkill. You mutilated your brother. You Gross overkill. Him. All right. Well, like I said, guys, there's not a lot out there on this, uh, and there's still not because this is on Patreon. So lucky you guys. You get to hear it from us. But there is, like I said, that amazing interrogation video on it on YouTube. It's definitely worth the watch if you're interested in this case. Um, It's some crazy insight. So let's take a deep breath, okay? Because we're about to dive into another tragedy, and this one just happened. It is still being investigated, and it is still, it's still, uh, they've only been to court once over this. It is still very, very new, but I think I have an idea what happened. I think I have a pretty damn good idea what happened. And, uh, but this is the story of Sequoia Samuels, okay? Not to be confused with Samuel. Yeah. Uh, up above, I know it's, it's kind of confusing. Uh, when I first Sequoia saw the Samuels. script for this, I was like, is there another person in this family who no, also no, no, had? No, no, no. I was like, I had to go back in the script and so I was like, no, oh my God. Samuels, not Samuel. Uh, so, Sequoia Samuels. So, in the early morning hours of June 15th, an extensive search was conducted by local and federal agencies north of Memphis, Tennessee. This was in a desperate attempt to find a missing four-year-old named Sequoia Samuels. But sadly, just a day later, the search would be caught off, with the discovery of little Sequoia's body just feet from her home. But with the state she was found in, police said it was impossible that she went missing on the 15th, but instead they believed that she had been missing for weeks. Yeah. Okay, so immediately, police return to Sequoia's home. Uh, full of questions for her 24-year-old mother, Brittany Jackson, and her 21-year-old boyfriend, Jalen Hobson. Now, according to the police affidavit in Jackson's case, she initially informed investigators that she had been at home the day before with a total of four children, okay, two of her own and two who were relatives of her boyfriend, obviously one of those children being Sequoia. She stated that she had given Sequoia water and then dozed off on the couch while Hobson, her boyfriend, later arrived home and went to sleep himself. That's such a. That's always the most convenient excuse. They're just for, asleep. They're just for asleep. Parents that kill their children. I dozed off. I just. I was asleep. I just fell asleep. And, you know, kids just kids be kids. And they hey, I didn't say anything about parents just, killing children. Quit no, I'm just saying like it's always the that's easiest excuse whenever a child gets yeah. hurt and the two like the adults are like oh, dozed off. Oh, I don't know. Like it, really? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not a good alibi. It's it's really not. Um, so later, Brittany claimed she was woken up by a text from a family member, and the text told her it was saying that her front door was wide open. 
And it was at this time that they realized that they couldn't find four-year-old Sequoia. So a few side notes here. Brittany lives in a single-story apartment complex where most of the other residents are her relatives. Seriously, a lot of her family lives in that immediate area. So when they text, they're probably like looking out their door and they're like, what the hell? Brittany's door is open. Let's text her and tell her. Um, but they had no idea what was going on behind Brittany's walls. Also, Sequoia had special needs, uh, including a feeding tube, and she reportedly went missing in the middle of the night. Again, it's like okay. we, we both have children. We both have had children around the same ages and stuff. If you have four children at home, you're not sleeping on the couch when you're watching four children, especially like a four-year-old with right. special needs and right. who has to be monitored. You're not sleeping on the couch. They're never that no. quiet. And if you can get woken up by a text, you get woken <laughs> up by those children. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make sense. So, uh but so yeah, so Sequoia had special needs and she also went missing in the middle of the night. But straight away, Brittany had a story for this. She says it was Jalen. Just throws her boyfriend under the bus right away. Uh, she alleged that weeks ago he had beaten Sequoia so bad that she became unresponsive. Weeks ago, okay, now she's saying this. Brittany claims she rushed to Sequoia's side and Jalen tried to revive her, but she was gone already and there was nothing that they could do. So in a news interview, Sequoia's paternal grandmother said that when she would see Sequoia, that she would cry and not want to go home with her mother and couldn't understand why, okay? She also said that Sequoia would often have bruises and burns on her when she visited her. Jalen, of course, denies all accusations and says that he hadn't seen Sequoia since June 11th, days before the report was filed. But police say this is impossible due to the advanced state of decomposition of the remains. I just so, love the differences of days of being like, no, I, didn't, I didn't see this four-year-old for days before. Like, How do you not see a four-year-old you live with for this long? Well, like I don't know if he necessarily lives there. I think he just like comes and stays some because he's just her boyfriend. Yeah, right? but she's They're, watching some of his kids. Like it's like well, yeah, he, yeah. or his relatives at least. It's like, how do you he's, not see Yeah, a he's definitely there pretty often, yeah. right? Yeah. So after the attack, uh, Brittany says that Jalen placed young Sequoia in a trash bag and stored her remains in the house until the search was over. After the area near the home was searched, then they placed her remains in a trash bin at their very own apartment complex. Uh, and so far, both Brittany and Jalen are arrested, but there here's some interesting things. First, Brittany's bond, okay, was set at 500000 half a mil. Jalen's is only 50000 um, so that leads me to believe that they got some other evidence. They got something, maybe Jalen has an alibi for the time of death that they have already established. Maybe Jalen wasn't there at all because yeah. they have a really good idea. They know when this, when this baby was killed. They know. Okay. So, and if Jalen had a good alibi, maybe he was at work, maybe, I don't know. But for whatever reason, his bond is 10% of what Britney's bond is. So they know something about Britney. And, and I feel the same way too. I feel like Britney's full of shit. Like you can look at her pictures. She's stone cold, no remorse. It's like, you lost a daughter. Like if you didn't do it, like you, how are you not distraught? Like, I, I don't, yeah. I you, just, and you so quickly, it was such a quick turnaround of, I was asleep watching the kids. Yeah. And then she, the, the and door she, was open and she got gone. Yeah. And then they find the child. It's like, oh, no, uh, he beat her. Uh, it was him. He beat her to yep. death. Mm-hmm. Like, it's such a quick turn of, yep. like... Well, she I, had to explain what was obvious. Yeah. Right? She had to figure out a way to explain to fit the evidence now. Because they had evidence. I guess they thought that the trash was going to run and her body would be carried off to the landfill and that'd be that. I guess, that, so, you yeah. know, that's what they thought. Um, but Brittany faces charges of child neglect, abuse of a corpse, and false offense reporting. A mental evaluation was ordered during a court hearing in late July, and there's yet to be anything about it. Um, she is trying to get the insanity plea, though. I, that's really, in my opinion, that's her only case. And Jalen is only being charged at this time with false offense reporting. So, yeah, it's kind of one of those uh, things. Like maybe he was just was telling whatever story he was. He's told trying to, tell to cover or... for her, and he's trying to cover for her. There's also a video of yeah, him. Yeah, then she threw you under the bus. <laughs> there, I know, right? There's also a video of him going to a neighbor. It's on. It's a ring doorbell, and he's going to a neighbor asking if they have seen Sequoia, and basically admitting that she's lost. And he, I mean, he looks weird, 
but he does kind of look distraught a little bit. I, I don't know. It, you just have to see it for yourself. It's, it's, yeah. it's a weird video. Um, but Brittany's attorney is claiming that she's suffering from battered woman syndrome and that she was just another one of Jalen's victims. She had no bruises on her whatsoever. Yeah. She, she looked perfectly fine. Uh, Hobson remains in jail. Uh, though, anyways, Jalen does on his $50,000 bond in Samuel's case. Uh, he also faces charges unrelated to the case that involved trespassing, possession of marijuana, and possession of a firearm. So that's the only other charges that he that he is under right now. I guess there was already a warrant out for him for these things. Um, but again, trespassing, possession of weed, and a firearm doesn't lead to child murder. That is so far away from child murder. Yeah. Does um, not indicate child murder. Yeah. But Hobson's attorney says that he does believe that Jalen will face more charges in the coming months, um, but he didn't. Re- he does, hasn't really expanded on that at all. Like, do you mean, like, in regards to Sequoia or in just in these, char- these other charges? He was really unclear. Yeah, maybe um, some culpability, some, you know, like the falsifying reports, some of right, those things, right. but... The district attorney said they're still actively investigating the case and would not rule out increasing charges on both Jackson and Hobson. Now, this story has also not been covered hardly at all. Um, and the stuff I saw about it is either uh, super shocking or it's just wrong. There's a lot of information out there saying that uh, Sequoia was dismembered and placed in multiple garbage bags. I don't know where the hell that shit came from, but that is... That is not in any any viable news source that I could find. Um, even family have been interviewed and things like that, and there's there's nothing of that sort has been mentioned. And I really think that is a no brainer. If that child was dismembered, it's like lock this bitch up, right? And there's you would have just, seen a lot more about it. There'd be a, a lot more evidence yeah. in the home and whatnot, even if it was three weeks before. And you would probably it's see just, a lot more news coverage about it. I yeah, mean, Honestly, yeah, yeah. if that was the reality of it, and that's just, that's awful to say, but if there was a dismembered well, child put around yeah. an apartment, you would see a lot more articles about that than than a simple, you know, a, a deceased child. It's just... Yeah, no it's doubt. A, it's an awful reality, but that you would see more of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I will be following this case, guys, as it unfolds. I may do a full Strange and Unexplained, if just depending on how it turns out. Um, I mean, obviously, if it's cut and dry, we won't do it on there. But maybe we'll do a full episode about it on True Crime, guys, if, if any more uh, information comes out that's, that's really changing what we're pretty sure we know right now. And I feel like if Jalen is involved, he's involved in the cover-up and possibly the disposal. Yeah, I, I I really don't think he killed this little girl. Um, I I really don't. I think her mother did it because she has special needs and she was tired of taking care of her. She was so yeah. It seems like a and selfish, selfish because like I wanted to say Casey Anthony the whole time, but it's just like well, we're, we're not, they're not gonna let that slide again. We already saw what happened when mm-hmm. one when one lady killed her daughter and tried yeah. to cover it all up. They're not letting that happen again. No, <laughs> freaking Diane Downs, man. There's there's some bad ones, but uh, but yeah, I. And there's also her family that lived in that area. They were all like, I wish she would have said something, you know, if, if, if she didn't want this child or whatever, or if the child was in danger, we would have took her, we would have took her. And it's like, and that just goes to show that, you know, if Brittany did this, she did it out of pride. She didn't want to admit that she was a bad mother. She didn't want to admit that she couldn't handle it anymore. Um, and she didn't want to, she didn't want someone else raising her child and making her feel like a piece of shit. Yeah, and, and so were, she got rid of her in another way. I'm thinking also, it's like if you live that close with so many of your family members in the same apartments with you, right around right. you, you it's if your boyfriend is abusing you that regularly and abusing your right, children, they're gonna say like, something, right? It's like they're gonna know, they're gonna yeah. see, you're gonna be, you could have somebody right there. It's like you have that that safety net around you, and if nobody is noticing you being abused or bruises on you or mm-hmm. changing your behavior, like if none of her family is like backing that. Then yeah, it's like how are you going to hide that for that long? How are you exactly. going to how are you going to pretend like that's not real? Exactly, exactly. Well, all right, guys. Like I said, that's all we have so far uh, on this case, on this Sequoia, Sequoia Samuel's case. It's I, I really think it's going to be a little more coverage on this. I really do. I feel like uh, it's kind of picking up speed. There's not a lot out there on this case either. Like I said, that's why I really wanted to cover it for you guys. Get it out here, get it in the books, and. Uh, you know, like I said, I'll keep an eye on it. Maybe we'll do a follow up on it in the future. 
But guys, I want to thank everyone who is a patron, everyone who's stayed a patron uh, throughout this entire change, throughout this break. We appreciate that so much, guys. And like I said before, uh, if you want to save a little money on your patronage, you can pay yearly now. Um, that has been available for a while. But uh, yeah, we'll see you guys every month here on Patreon for our Patreon exclusive. And of course, when you guys see these pop up, you know, headlines and shenanigans will be on the free platform. And uh, yeah, of course, Sandu Stories will be posted here as well. And Higher Thoughts. I'd like to get into a little few more Higher Thoughts. Maybe me and Andy will do uh, one later on this week or sometime, maybe next week. And uh, anything else, Andy? I don't think so, guys. Like I said, we're, we've talked about we're trying to do some more YouTube content. So tell your friends, share those videos, like, yes, subscribe. Yes, please, guys. Go subscribe See on the YouTube. the shorts that Michael's putting up. We're seeing more TikToks and more shorts and stuff popping around. Yeah. So we out those, there. like those, share those, try and get, tell your yeah. friends about those. We really want to continue to push this content out to you guys. And the more time, the more people that you want to get to listen to it, the more stuff we can put out for you. So absolutely. Absolutely. Guys. Uh, we're, uh, we're taking it real serious for the first time in our career. <laughs> I, <are> said, <laughs> I, uh, I, well, I spoke a little bit about this on the recent higher thoughts I did. It's a, it's a long monologue. And I talked about how true crime guys, um, kind of just, it coasted. It kind of was just something that we, that me and Lauren found fun and, you know, exciting and entertaining and, a reason to hang out, and, and then it took off, and then it just kept growing and growing every year, and then we plateaued, and then Lauren left, and so now we have to like build a whole new audience. We feel like we're not starting at ground zero by any means, but but we do feel like we have to rebuild, and and we want to do that. Andy and I together, we want to you know we're re kind of rebranding the show in a way. It's like we we talk about all the time is a different dynamic, so we're <laughs> it's different. It's a different branding. It's a different style. Um, but we are out there guys and we will be here week after week bringing you guys new content and hopefully current and, uh, up to date content in the true crime world. And we'll see you next week for the regular episode on the free platform. Yeah. We need to get some shenanigans going in here. It's we do. It's been dark so long. That's right. It's been a dark day. All right. Keep creeping guys. We'll see you.